Hey, good morning. So I am, uh, I think I'm up now. Okay. I didn't bring my paper with me. So how's everybody doing? So uh, I have more to say than I have time to say it. So we're going to jump right in. And uh, that doesn't usually happen, uh, but it did this morning. So uh, I hurt my left foot uh, on January 7th. And uh, I was given a boot to wear, and I wore that boot off and on because I didn't like it uh, for uh, six weeks or so. And uh, I stopped wearing it and thought everything was better. And I went on a mission trip to Haiti, and everything was terrific. And I went on a, a trip to the Masters, which I told some of you that story about, and that was terrific. And then the pain came back in worse than it was before. And uh, I went to a different doctor because... That's what you do when that happens. And uh, this different doctor said, oh, well, uh, you need to wear a boot. And I said, I don't want to wear a boot. I've already done that. Been there, done that, right? As a matter of fact, I left the boot in Haiti uh, because I was done with it and felt that the folks there would have more use of it than I would. And it turns out that uh, I described the boot I was wearing, and he said, well, you were wearing the wrong kind of boot. Uh, the boot you were wearing uh, was actually doing more harm than good. And I said, oh, that's terrific. So what do we do? He says, we're going to give you a boot. Uh, we're going to give you the correct boot this time. And so that's the long answer to why I am in a boot. And uh, we'll see what happens from there. And if you want to know what's wrong with me, you can find out about it uh, later. But I want to share that story because uh, a few years ago, uh, some of you also know that when I was on a mission trip to Cuba, I fell in a hole and broke my back. Uh, that's all great, except when I'm wearing a boot. Because I walk crooked and it causes my back to hurt. And that all is part of today's message. Because everything is connected. And we're going to do a little science lesson, a little biology after biology that I'm going to uh, read to you from uh, Paul, which uh, uh, was just read on the screen in the video, a story from Jesus, offer some observations, some applications, and then we'll be, we'll be gone. So your body is made up of cells. You all know that, right? Remember that from biology class? When groups of cells do the same kind of work, those cells are called tissues. And when groups of tissues work together, they're called organs. Some examples of organs are things like your heart, your lungs, your skin, and your stomach, right? When organs work together, those are called systems. So you have cells which working together become tissues. Tissues when they work together are organs. Organs when they work together are systems. You may not know this, but you have 11 systems in your body and they're working all the time. You have a musculatory system, a respiratory system, a digestive system, a integumentary system. You know what that is? Your skin. It's a system. You have a skeletal system. You have a circulatory system. You have an excretory system. You know what that is? Exactly. All right. You have a reproductive system. You have a nervous system. You have a lymphatic system and you have an endocrine system. And each system has a special job. And all of our body systems have to work together to keep us healthy. Now, that's the biology lesson. Something that Plato once said was he pointed out this, that when we talk about pain, we say my finger has pain. Or we say, I have pain. We don't say, the finger has pain. If someone were to ask you, how are you doing today? You would say, I'm feeling well. Or, I'm not feeling too well. But 
more specifically, it may be that you have an upset stomach or your foot hurts. But you wouldn't say, the stomach is bothering me. You personalize it. It's all part of this system. It's all part of who you are. So we're in the midst of a series called Getting Personal, where uh, we're looking at the way that God has wired us. And over the last couple of weeks, we talked about our personality, how we relate best to God and the world, and that we are wired and knit together by God. We talked about our passions a few weeks ago, that those are those things that energize us, those things that inspire us. And and then last week, we talked about that God has given us gifts, uh, that every Christ follower has been given a gift to use to serve. And today, we're going to see how it all fits together. We'll put it all uh, in a nice package and, uh, and send this series on to where series is go to live, which is the podcast world. And so you can uh, check it out there. So let me read to you. Uh, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Uh, he uses the body as an illustration to describe the relationship of the different members of the church. And this illustration fits us so well. And so I'm just going to read a few verses. Like I said, it was the video uh, uh, scripture was read. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's just a few verses are up on the screen. It says this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body, right? So there's 11 systems that we just discussed in your body, right? 11 different systems. It's made up of many parts. That's not the right one, is it? All right, don't worry about it then. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Paul goes on to say that, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? And then Paul goes on and he finishes with, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So our bodies are made up of these many different parts, right? We all agree? And those parts work together, oftentimes unconsciously, to make the body more efficient, correct? It's part of our body, and, and so if parts of our body were missing, it impacts and potentially harms the other parts of the body, right? So Paul's point here, obvious point is this, together, the church, we can do more and we are more when we're together. And so as Christ followers, we have to avoid a few common errors. And these are things you may have have seen or heard before. One is, as a, a common error that we can make is that we can be too proud of our abilities. In other words, there are people who would think, hey, you know what, I can do it all. I'm better alone. I don't need anybody. When there have been people who have been hurt by the church, often their response is, you know what? I can be a Christ follower on my own. And there is some truth to that. You can. But you will miss out on so much more by doing that. Because we're not experiencing, a person is not experiencing all that God has for them, and we're not experiencing all that they have for the church. So sometimes being too proud of our own abilities could get us in trouble in this way. The opposite is true, too. Sometimes we think we have nothing to give to the body of believers. What can I do? I don't have anything to offer. I'm not needed. This is false. 
just like the body, there are an overwhelming number of opportunities. And together, we are better. Together, we're better. Sometimes, though, people in the church can become so engrossed in the bit of work that we're doing that we can forget that there are other parts. And that's when people begin to think they're not needed. Because I'm doing my thing, and my thing is so important. So much more important than those other things. And so the reality is we have to be concerned for each other. We have to see the church in the same way we feel about the body. So I was trying to think of an illustration for this, and this is the best I could come up with, is on August 18th, 1990, Kelly and I started a small group. It was the ultimate small group. My wife Kelly is here in the center section. She and I got married on August 18th, 1990. And on that day, we started a small group. All right? Now, initially, we didn't have any members in this group except for the two of us. And it was kind of good. We liked it that way, actually. But then at some point, we decided, Kelly decided, that it would be better if we added to this small group. And so on July 27, 1995, we added Nathan. Nathan is, uh, is our oldest. So we added Nathan to this small group, and it kind of was cool. It was kind of great. It was a good thing. And then uh, we liked it so much that three years later, we invited another member to the small group named Carissa. And Carissa was born, and we invited her into the small group. And then we liked it so much, we said, let's just keep adding to this small group. And we added a third named Jordan. And then we decided to name the small group. And we started calling the small group the courthouse. My last name is Court. I still want a sign. I want to put it out in the front of my house. See if somebody actually would stop looking for the courthouse. That would be kind of cool. So we started this small group called the Courthouse. Now here's the thing about our small group. Is that this group does its best to care for each other. So two weeks ago I wasn't here with you. I was uh, in Rochester, New York. We were there because a member of our small group, Nathan, was graduating from college. And so we went together and celebrated. And it was fun exciting time for us, the founding members of the small group, felt some pride in what another member of the small group had accomplished. And there's also times where members of our group are hurting. And during those times, we all hurt for the small group as well. Now, a side note to this. There are new members trying to get in. I'm not so sure about that as a dad. We're working that out, all the kinks that are involved in those new members coming into the small group. And so isn't that how the church should be functioning and working together? That when someone is celebrating, we all celebrate together. And when someone is hurting we all hurt together. I mean, I would I do that for my foot. My hands put this boot on my foot every morning because my hands care for my foot. We do this for each other. We do this for parts of our body. We should be doing this for each other because we are this body of Christ. Now, to add some import to that, some importance to that, let me read to you another story. This one is a story that Jesus told. It's 
maybe going to be, yeah, it's going to be up on the screen, all right? And it's from Matthew chapter 25. It says this, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Now, Jesus tells this story. It's a story about money, it would seem, but it's really not a story about money. Some translations use the word talent, which not bags of silver. Now, a talent was a measure of weight, which was used to calculate money, but it's not a story about money. It's really a story about something bigger. So let me read to you. It's not on the screen. Let me just read this portion to you. So Jesus goes on and tells the story. He says, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. So he was given five. He invested it and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work, and he earned two more. So he had two, and he earned two more. They doubled what they were given. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground, and he hid the master's money. Some observations. Resources were given by the master to each individual, and the amount given was determined by the master. And isn't it interesting, we're going to see as the story goes on, that the master, the owner of the funding, knows how well they're going to use those funds. He gives five to the one who, received, who doubles it, he gives two to another who doubles it, and he gives one to the person who buries it. So after a long time, their master returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he entrusted the five bags came forward with five more, and the master said, you gave, me, you, gave, uh, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Then the servant who received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. That's the key, lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. This is a story about investing, and it's a story about risk. It's a story about risk. And the lesson for us is that the man with the one bag did not lose it. He simply did nothing with it. He did nothing with it. Even if he had taken a risk with it, and even if he had lost it, it would have been better than doing nothing at all. See, it's always a temptation for the person who has so little to say, I have so little to offer, I can do so little with it, it's not worthwhile for me to even try. And so the lesson for us is use what God has given to you. The master measures success by degrees of effort. And this man wasted an opportunity. See, in the book of Genesis, it's very clear. I talked about this last week in Voorhees, that we were made to work. 
that in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, the story of creation talks about how God put Adam and Eve in the garden so that they could work. And so our responsibility here on planet Earth is to be working. It's what we're called to do. See, far too many Christians today see their relationship with Jesus as a ticket to heaven. They see their relationship with Jesus as just kind of, I'm at this bus stop waiting for this life to end so that we can get to the real life that's somewhere else. When that couldn't be further from the truth. This story tells us that Jesus is is teaching through this story that we're supposed to be working, that we're supposed to be putting effort into this world, that we're supposed to be taking those things that God has given us, the gifts and the talents and the resources that we have, and we're to be using them to plant and build the kingdom of God together. We're to work using these gifts to glorify God and serve the common good. And so the takeaway for this morning is not what have Not what you have been given, but what will you choose to do with what you've been given? What will you choose to do? You see, because your decision impacts the people around you. Your decision impacts this place. Your decision impacts the world. And so here's the takeaway. This is the thing I want you to take home with you, talk about over lunch. Did you guys have a great time finding a parking spot this morning? <laughs> I was here at 8 o'clock and I had trouble finding a parking eight 8.15, I had trouble finding a parking spot. God bless you all. There's probably people still driving around. <laughs> They're going to listen to the podcast. <laughs> Here's the takeaway. The only way to fail is by not taking the risk God has called you to take. The only way to fail is by not taking the risk that God is calling you to take. See, God may not make your endeavor a success by whatever measure you're using. But if you take the risk for God, he, you have already succeeded. That is God's measurement. So the only way to fail is by not taking the risk that God has called you to take. So here's some applications for each of us. What gifts... Has God given you? If you're not sure, here's the first challenge. Consider joining the new small group called Passions, Pathways, and Gifts. Heather Mandela was here preaching. Was she here last week? Two weeks ago? She was here two weeks ago. She'll be leading that small group. It's going to be in Mount Laurel. And uh, you can find out more details about that by emailing me or emailing Heather. And we'll have more details about that next week. And if it's not in the flyer, this uh, the bulletin this week it'll be in the bulletin next week as well okay so it's called passions pathways and gifts small group and uh, it will help you discover what it is that God has gift what gifts God has given you and how God has created you to use those gifts all right application each of us is a part of a system called the body of Christ the church cells tissues organs systems body it works the same way within the church each one of us is part of this thing called the church And the only way to fail is to not take a risk. Don't bury it. The only way to fail is by not taking the risk God is calling you to take. So try something. It's okay to take a risk. So here's some simple steps. If you are not part of a setup team yet, that is such an easy first step. It's so easy. It's hard work. 
All right, you get sweaty. I was looking at Scott Cruz in the back there. He was like dripping. He's like too old to do this, I think. And he was just like <laughs> dripping in sweat this morning, man. All right? But it's so easy. You meet some people, you have some fun, you run out for coffee after it's done. It's kind of a cool thing. So if you're not on a setup team, let me tell you, talk to Scott in the back, talk to Matt right here, talk to someone in the lobby uh, at the table there about being on the set. It is such an easy way to get connected. It's the first step. It's something that we will find, you'll find out how gifted you are and how you can do even that, okay? So that's a great first step. Another one is join the lobby team. Another one is uh, uh, kids ministry. All in the church is there's that fine line between not waiting to be asked and also us, us bothering you too soon. You know what I mean? There's a fine line between that, right? It, it, it's kind of like dating. You're trying to figure out, do they like me? Do I, do, I'm not sure if they like me, right? You know, I wasn't good at that. I was always afraid I was going to get a no. Right? And so I just like waited and waited and waited until I was really sure. Like, you know, so I remember like with Kelly, I was like going, I, I kind of like you. But I didn't ask that until I was sure she liked me. You know, like, I was just like, no way am I going to like, like venture into that. So it's, I'm sorry, I'm off my notes. All right. So an application for the church now. All right. For us as a church, an application. Campus building and church building is a marathon, not a sprint. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Now, here's where that can be confusing for us. It can seem like a sprint. See, because there's always an urgency, and there's always a deadline, and deadlines can mistakenly be thought of as finish lines, but they're only deadlines. Now, let me share with you some of the deadlines that we've had in the last eight months as we've been planning to do this and started doing this, is we had a deadline for you to join a prayer team to pray for a new campus launch. We had you join a launch team. We had you attend launch team meetings. We had you join a team, like set up our lobby or kids or worship or tech. We had you attend training. All of those things were sprints, not the marathon. Some of them even happened at the same time. We had more sprints that happened. Some were involving only staff. Some involved staff and volunteers, like determining the equipment that we needed. All of this stuff, believe it or not, when we first started talking about this, it looked nothing like this. It was a totally different setup, right? Because we thought we didn't have any idea. Right? So we hired professionals, and the professionals said, here's how you do this. And they came in with their number, and their number was astronomical. And we went, no, no, we're going to do it for a lot less than that, right? So we started working with all this thing, determining, determining those kinds of things. And there were deadlines that they placed on that stuff. If you want this stuff by this date, you have to have it by, you have to order it by this date, right? There was designing the equipment. There was ordering the equipment. There was finding funding for the equipment. There was scheduling the equipment delivery, and then there was training. Day. Remember training day? Oh, yeah. January 6th and 7th, that weekend where all of you were hearing, you said, there's no way we're going to set this stuff up every weekend. There's no way we can do it. It's impossible. And then today we were done at what? Like ridiculous team doing anyway, bragging on you all. All right, so there were some other additional sprints we've been a part of. We were determining the marketing plan. We designed a marketing plan. We found funding to pay for that. It's always about finding funding. There was finding funding to pay for a marketing plan. There was ordering marketing materials. There was inviting others to invite others. There was praying for hundreds to attend. And then we had the launch on Sunday, January 21st. 
and it can mistakenly be thought that we crossed the finish line. But a launch, by definition, is not the finish line, it's the starting line. We launched on January 21st. We just got into the race on January 21st. And so while we had lots of anticipation and lots of excitement, that was not the finish line. It was a series of sprints, a series of moments, and we are now on a marathon. The final goal was not to build. The goal has always been to build a community. And we are doing that. Now, here's why that's important. is This is God's story, not our story. And it's about stewardship. It's about the talents that God has chosen to give each one of us and collectively using them for the church. That God has given each of us resources, right? Our gifts, our time, our talents. And we are responsible as part of the body to use these resources to take a risk and to invest it. We are a part of God's story and God's story is being written by guess who? God right? We just get to catch a glimpse of this story. And I would suggest at Mount Laurel, we have only begun to get a glimpse of it. And that it is a bigger story and a grander story than we can even envision. It's a story about God and it's a story about people. And it's a story about how God wants to meet people and how people want to meet God and how hope is a meeting place. And so we prayed for and we prepared. And this is part of our story. And so here are some questions. What if the story is bigger than a few hundred people? What if the story is meant to be bigger than just a day? What if God's story is about you and me? And what if God's story is about you and me right now? Now, I said that this was kind of wrapping up our series and we we're going to pack it up and send it away to podcast land. But here's what's so interesting about the way God works is when we plan these things, we were planning them back in January for the whole year. And we said, yeah, we're going to do this series that's going to talk about passions, pathways and gifts. And then the next series is going to be Joseph. And we kind of just put those things there and just kind of went, yeah, that that works out really well. We're going to do Joseph next. And then as I'm working on this and I'm going, oh, God, that's good. Because Joseph's is it's a big story. But it's really God's story. It's about a dream. But it's about discovering God's dream in the midst of everyone else's dreams and agendas. And so although this is packing up and sending off to podcast land, it's really launching us into next week. Don't miss it. Next week starts Joseph. What if God is still preparing you and me for God's next chapter in the story? See, the story hasn't changed. The mission has always been about introducing people to Jesus, uh, introducing the people to God through Jesus Christ. And following Jesus makes life better. It's the best life possible. And Sunday morning is not the finish line. And building a campus is not the finish line. If anything, we are just getting off the starting blocks. And here's the other truth about that. This is incredibly risky business. You see, I used an illustration a few weeks ago about it's like launching a pizza place, right? We put everything in place, and we believe we have the best pizza in town. And I believe that's true. 
But the illustration falls apart in this way. Pizza's easy. Sorry for all my pizza place owners out there. We're involved in the spiritual business. And the spiritual business is risky. It's why I pray on Sunday mornings, God, help me to stay focused. And then I see all these cars, and I got so mad. I was so mad at all those cars. Stupid people. They're in our parking lot. It's so annoying. But this is a spiritual, risky business. So I have a friend who's part of a church that has six campuses. And he, on occasion, lets me uh, call him, and um, I whine to him about campus buildings. And, uh, and he lets me whine, and he's so encouraging. And it's like a 20-minute gift from God just to, for me to go, Mike, this is really bad, blah, 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 blah. And so he said this. I was sitting in front of the house, and my la- I was driving somewhere, and I called him, and, I, and I, I said, you got a few minutes? And yes, and we talked, and I said, I whined. And, and, uh, and, then, um, and then he said this. He said, Rick, this is the hardest thing you'll ever do, and it's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. It's risky business. We're not just building pizzas. God is asking us to build a community so that lives can be changed. That's incredibly risky. And so when things like the air conditioning is broken, are you kidding me? There's no parking lots and the air conditioning is broken and we're going in the summer. I mean, come on. It's risky business. And it's easy for me to get distracted. And so how can I stay focused on this spiritual business that we're involved in? See, the reality is this. The takeaway is the only way to fail is by not taking the risk that God is calling you to take. God may not make your endeavor a success by whatever measure you are using. But if you take the risk for God, you have already succeeded because that is God's measurement, whether or not you will take the risk. And so here's what I want you to do. I want for all of us, here's how we can work together, is share the story. Share the story about what God is doing, that we're building a community, that we're not launching a campus, that we're building a community. That the finish line wasn't January 21st. We just got started. And we are working towards building a community. And it's hard work. And it's risky business. And risk is going to be part of the landscape. But together, using all the gifts and resources that God has given us, we are the body of Christ. And we will work to build the kingdom of God in Mount Laurel. Answering God's call to take a risk, we've already succeeded. And for you as individuals, what resources has God trusted you with? Are you investing them wisely? Are gifts and the talents that God has invested in you? Are you using your gifts to build up the body, working in concert together to support and encourage? Are you willing to take a risk? Because the only way to fail is to not take the risk that God is calling you to. Let me pray for us, and then the band is going to lead us in the closing song. Let's pray together. So, God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for the men and women here in this room. I thank you, God, for the way that you have been working and building in us the community, the church. And, God, I pray that as we have heard in these 
scriptures, God, that, that you have put us together and each of us has a unique place and a, a unique part to play. And God, that I pray that we would, we would discover what that is and we would use it to build the body of Christ so that we could serve the world together. And that, God, we would be willing to take a risk. God, thank you for the opportunities you have put in front of us as a church and as individuals. And, God, I pray that we would continue to take the next step of faith. And so, God, if there are men and women here who are saying, I, I can't do that, I don't have that, I am not of use. God, that they would be inspired and challenged to discover what it is that you have and how you have gifted them so that they could use those gifts to further your kingdom here on planet Earth. God, thank you for Jesus and thank you for the love that Jesus uh, displayed for us and God help us to know without a doubt that that love is not just for us but it's for all of the world that every man every woman every boy every girl is loved by you and God I pray that that would be our desire we pray these things in Jesus name amen